Hello, the internet, and welcome to Season 155, Episode 5 of The Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and stay officially <laughs> off the top. Fuck the Koch brothers. Fuck them. Fuck Fox News. Fuck, fuck Rush Limbaugh. Fuck, fuck Ben Shapiro. Here. Fuck Bye. Tucker Carlson. <clears throat> fuck J.K. Rowling. Mm-hmm. And fuck Fondant. Especially. Fondant. Fondant. Oh, I, Fondant. Wow. We really decided to put some respect Ooh, on that simultaneously. Fancy. Get that fancy shit out of here. Give me <laughs> Betty Crocker out of a can. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did Stoked you ever get caught? shit. Eating it like, like it was just with your fingers out of there? Oh, then, of course. I used have to you ever eaten a, no. taken a full one to the dome? No, but I will after you challenged <laughs> me. Uh, I used to eat Nestle Quick uh, Quick Powder just in yeah. the spoon, just dry lines, just doing lines. Yeah. Of that. You know how it is. Anyway, uh, guest unnamed guest, what were you going to say that you've never done that either? Oh, I thought you were talking about eating out of a can of fondant. Oh, <laughs> like I, I think you would have to go to the emergency room right. with that. Right. Oh. That guy suffocated. Yeah, I think they sell that uh, fondant mostly at Home Depot, out of like where they do building material. Yeah, it's uh, next to the insulation. Sh- yeah, that shit is gross. Uh, it's Friday, October sixteenth, twenty twenty. My name is Jack O'Brien, aka What's with these lib cucks dissing my girl? Amy Coney Barrett. What did she ever do to the left to make them hate her guts? That's it. Uh, That is courtesy of Christy Yamaguchi Slane because it's Halloween. Uh, And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co host, Mr. Miles Gray. This is a message from Iceland. All this fuckery that happens part of the plot Coincidence makes sense Cause you follow Q You don't have to speak, I know You're racist and scared Okay, shout out to my brain who could not sleep in the middle of the night And I just said, you know what, Bjork Yoga, let's do it Make it about rat fuckery uh, So yeah, I'm feeling good That was beautiful Thank beautiful. you. You know, yo, hey, Bjork, you know, she, <laughs> you don't know, I fuck with Bjork heavy. People don't know this about me. What listeners uh, can't fully appreciate is that when you are doing a, uh, one of these AKAs where you fully embody the singer, right. like you, mm-hmm. you take on the physicality of Bjork. It was it's the only, impressive. well, you can't be lazy with Bjork. You yeah, know, you can't if just you're like, gonna do it right or Bjork. Bro uh, out with a Bjork voice coming out of your no, head. No, it's like you can't be all this fuckery that happens <laughs> part of the plot. No, it's like you have yeah, to yeah. give it some respect. Wait, this uh, video doesn't go up anywhere? No. No. Okay, eighty percent of that was wasted because eighty percent was in his physical performance. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it over Zoom. I'm telling you right now the listen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was and the fact that he's wearing a swan dress. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by that mysterious voice you hear. He is the hilarious, the talented, the best-selling author, uh, my former co-host of the Cracked Podcast, uh, one of the smartest dudes out there, Mr. Jason Pargin! I was on here in May, I think, and I can't tell if that feels like 10 years ago or last yeah. week. 
Yeah, on one true. hand, it feels like a different era. On the other hand, so little has changed. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at like the stuff I've, I'm going to be asked about like COVID and it's the same damn questions we were asking <laughs> about it in the spring. Yeah. And man, I did not think it was still going to be a thing in mid-October. I did not. Yeah, it's wild when you think about things that happened earlier this year. They both seem like they happened a long time ago. And uh, like I was looking at the most popular uh, Halloween costumes and Harley Quinn is number three. And that I was like, oh, right, because Birds of Prey came out this year, which both seems impossible because that seems like a decade ago. But also, it's like, yeah, that was like the last movie to come out in movie theaters. Right. It's, time makes no sense anymore. It's the same thing like with, when uh, the Lakers won and then Anna like sent that tweet that was saying like Kobe died like 824 days ago. And for a second, <laughs> right. you'd believe it. But they're like, no, that was January of this year. That's uh, but it honestly, I was like, yeah, that might have been two years ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But nothing has happened. Everything and nothing has happened. Or yeah. a lot of the same thing has happened is maybe Mm -hmm. what it is all right jason we're gonna get to know you a little bit better in a moment first we're gonna tell our listeners a couple of things we're talking about today so first of all we are uh miles and i are going to time travel into the future into your future Mm -hmm. uh we're gonna watch miles is gonna watch the joe biden town hall i'm gonna watch whatever happens on nbc uh the apprentice uh, reunion, whatever, whatever that ends up <laughs> whatever being. Whatever the fuck that is. And we're going to recap that in our act two. Uh, we're also going to, when Jason comes on, his likes, his underrated, his overrated, his myths are always a meal. So there's going to mm-hmm. be a lot of that. Uh, we might talk about what one pollster is predicting about Trump winning in 2020. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, if we get to it, the most popular Halloween costumes uh, and how that deep state investigation from Bill Barr didn't uh, bear any fruit. And so we got the Pivot. Hunter Biden New York Post story and Hit him with the bridge. Uh, all of that, plenty more. First, Jason, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history that is revealing about who you are? From about three days ago, do bandanas work as COVID masks? Mm-hmm. Because there was an article that I vaguely remembered. It turned out it was from August, but it could have been from June. It could have been from last week. It turned out it was from August where there was a study where they showed that neck gaiters, which I didn't know that word until, but like the, whatever the material they make those out of, you see runners wear, mm-hmm. that they and other cloth things, bandanas, just putting your t-shirt over your face is actually worse than no mask. Because it's just breaking up droplets into smaller particles that travel further. And that if you're not using a mask-type mask, multiple layers, that that's actually worse than nothing. So I was Googling to see if that turned out to be true. (laughs) And apparently, according to WebMD, according to CDC, they're back to, I guess, what they were saying in the spring, that having something is still better than nothing. But a real mask is one where you should... Feel it restricting your breathing somewhat. Like people like the neck gaiters and bandanas because they don't feel like anything. It's like I'm right. wearing, it's like I'm wearing nothing at all. Uh, I can run in this and it feels great because it doesn't block my breathing at all. It's like that's the problem. It, it needs to. <laughs> you need to feel it redirecting the air and because that's that's when it's actually stopping droplets too. Yeah, it is amazing how little we like. There's been so much news, so much news coverage of 
you know, the pandemic. And yet it feels like we've had, you know, a handful of studies on like how this thing actually transmits that are uh, worthy of committing to memory. My interpretation of that mask study was that like we it's worse because people are more confident when they have like just a t-shirt over their face we actually had uh one of our producers had to like be at a location scout and there was like a a hollywood producer who was out there with a silk scarf wrapped around their face and just like <laughs> acting acting like the things were uh it was all good they were they were in a hazmat suit Jesus. But yeah, that's all. Uh, now that I think about it, that's all just based on my vague understanding. Yeah. Well, the, everything, there's even like, I remember in the beginning of September, there was like this theory that came out in the New England Journal of Medicine where they're even thinking that masks were giving people like immunity because it was giving people such a small viral dose that it would trigger like an immunity response. Like, so it's so hard to know what like until anything is certain it's so it's just so hard to know like what's the safest thing aside from like you know like masking up with surgical masks or n95 and things like that but i do think that one is right because it was new england journal of medicine yeah i mean it's a theory and like a lot of people haven't pushed back but it's not they're not there being like okay this is what's happening but they're seeing uh, some kind of correlation there but all that to say is like everything is constantly in flux regarding our knowledge of it and right. part of the problem is it's the same problem with trying to study the effectiveness of something like condoms, is that right. you're assuming people, A, are telling the truth about how they used it. Like, like <laughs> right, a lot right. of the high failure rate with condoms is guys saying, oh, absolutely. I, I never, I've gotten six women pregnant, but I wear a condom every time. <laughs> because they don't, you know, they don't sneak into your home and re- record you. That's against the law. Um, <laughs> and so you're basing it on self-reporting. And then the other thing is that with human nature, are you wearing it correctly? Did you yeah. maybe pull it aside to talk on the phone, blah, 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 like all the, the condom. Yeah. A lot of people got <laughs> the nose peeking out. <laughs> Again, with um, the condom. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. Um, same, same logic. It just feels better. It just feels better <laughs> like this under my nose. But that's, that's the rough part because with any mask, it's always based on the assumption that you're wearing it perfectly. Where you even see people like wearing the mask that I now buy, the disposable ones, but they, you've got around your ears, they bunch up at the sides, you breathe out, your air is puffing out past your ears. So somebody's standing right behind you. Yeah. Uh, and if you're saying, well, has anybody studied that? No, it takes, the, it, there's not that much data out there. Yeah. There's, you pointed out in a side note uh, that, like what one of the things that they found is that singing, talking, or exercising inside, uh, like anything that involves heavy breathing, is like that six feet of distance is not enough, and yet, like you still see just that sort of spacing wherever you go. Like that right. six feet of distance is is the magic distance, I guess. I mean, even yeah. the vape cloud competitions, they're respecting the social. They're putting twenty feet in between. Them, you know what I mean. <laughs> And it should be more like 20 feet, but it's this is something we've known for a while, but I feel like it never penetrated into the average person the way that, like, washing your hands for 20 seconds, everybody learned that, masks, everybody's learned. But this thing about how, basically, if you're doing anything indoors, if you're eating indoors, if you're in church, if you're in a gym, ventilation is everything. Right, And the thing is, if you're listening to this, you're saying, well, how the hell do I know how my gym ventilates? How do I know what ventilation system my church has? That's the point. You don't. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Like there's no risk free. This is why it is different dining outdoors than it is inside. Because once you're inside, this virus can, you can get enough of it through aerosol droplets that spread further than six feet. Because it's not just the big sneeze droplets. It's the talking and breathing hard and singing droplets. Or if you're in a bar shouting over the music, this is why bars are such a nightmare. But I've got a link here to where... They had basically a super spreader event at a, it was like a spin studio in Ontario where I think they've traced 61 infected and exposed another hundred on top of that. Something like that. Yeah. If um, you shout the way I do at a, at a spin cycle oh, yeah. or at a spin. Come on, one more hill, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> but they were following all, all, the, all the CDC guidelines, putting the bike six feet apart, 50% capacity, masks yeah. on before and after the class. So at the, you know, at the desk, you know, you're, all the other times you're cleaning up, you've got the mask on. They did everything right, disinfected all the equipment, everything, or at least they claim they did. Mm-hmm. Right. But it doesn't matter. We now know, we well know that if you're circulating the same air for a long time, you know, an hour, however long you're in there, that's high, that's super high risk. This is why bars are the worst thing you can do. This is why... That church is anything like that. A lot of right. people indoors, long time, doing things with your mouth open, talking, singing, whatever. Yeah. What is something uh, you think is underrated, Jason? So today, I guess, uh, Doctor, is Fauci correct? Am I saying his name right? You nailed it. Okay. That's how you say it. <laughs> <laughs> how would you say Fauci? Like Fauci. Oh, oh man, I have really embarrassed myself at that spin class. I'm telling, I'm telling you, you nailed it in terms of what my understanding is based on <laughs> uh, how I've been pronouncing it inside my head when I read it. Yeah, I've read it ten thousand times. I may not have said it out loud until <laughs> right. just right now. Right. Uh, Ouch! But anyway, he came out and said in an interview, I think with CBS, mentioned offhand that hey, if you're planning a Thanksgiving get together. Um, you know, you may want to avoid that because again, just what I described, bunch of people, 12 people, however many sitting around a table for hours on end, a lot of them elderly, you're there with grandma and it's going to be cooler. So it's going to be doors like that's, these are spreader events. I wrote a column on cracked a couple months ago saying that we are underrating what a nightmare Christmas might be. Mm-hmm. because we already are seeing what we were afraid of, which is cases starting to go up when the air got a little bit cooler because people who used to jog outdoors are now taking it inside to the gym. People used to be happy eating outdoors, now asking to eat inside in the dining room. You know, And as it gets colder, more and more people do stuff indoors, and they, you know, this even happened with the Spanish flu. There was a second huge wave in the winter. So this is something we've known was coming for a long time, so when I say Christmas may be a nightmare, I don't mean that a lot of people will die of the virus. I mean, if hypothetically Trump loses the election, and then if, you know, again, Fox News has always been in war on Christmas mode, that the liberals want to kill Christmas. Right. So if you suddenly get these Democratic governors and mayors saying, hey, we are canceling Christmas plays, parties, like gatherings of more than X number of people were canceling it because we're in the middle of the second spike. That is absolutely going to hit Fox news as Joe Biden, not even in office yet mm. and has already outlawed Christianity. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're using COVID as, as a veiled. And so already you see, you know, protest against mask stuff. Wait until 
they have to gather to prove that they are trying to keep Christmas alive against the communists and the godless uh, liberals far ultra far left who are trying to kill it. Mm-hmm. I could even see it yeah. happen on Black Friday where they're like, let us shop. Oh, that's definitely going to be. We need these deals because I know that's like another thing all these stores are trying to figure out. They're like, how are we going to do this? Right. Uh, because we sell a ton of shit, but I guess it'll be online, but also kind of want the door. I don't know. It's all, yeah. I, the, the thing that's like really, I'm curious to see is how like, because New York like seems to be really, I was reading an article about how New York's Koreatown was doing just an amazing job of like immediately adapting to outdoor dining and doing it relatively responsibly. New York's um, but, Koreatown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and like two square blocks. So yeah, we but go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just, but they were very much focused. Like it was cool because like they had decked out their outdoor dining. Like they very much nice. made it feel like a vibe, even though you were eating outside. But That's like, dope. yeah, what, how that transition works into the winter months, because of course everyone's like, are we just going to put everything on heaters and like risk a massive tent fire or something one day? I don't know. It's just all so many things happening at once. Yeah. And I mean, what we've seen to this point is that people would rather, you know, flout the uh, recommendations of the government and scientists than uh, not. And so we might see people getting sick and dying. I guess it would not be at Christmas, but it would be uh, in early 2021. Right. Well, but I mean, if people Thanksgiving, something normally right. on a normal Thanksgiving, something like 30 million people travel. Yeah. So normally we flood, you know, like air travel is still at like 30% pre-COVID levels right now. But I mean, Thanksgiving is when people fly home to see the family. And the, it will be family that many of them have not seen literally yeah. since last Christmas. So if a lot of those people I've decided, well, this will be the thing I'll travel for. This is what I'll pack an airplane for. Well, everything I just said about ventilation and you're sealed inside of a tube for six hours, seven hours, 10 hours, however far you're, you're flying, plus the time you spend on the tarmac. Um, all those people gathering in airports, all those people getting on planes, all those people then gathering at grandma's house with, house with 12 other family members. You just need one infected person on that plane. And then all of those people will leave that party and will fly back to six different states where they came from carrying the infection with them. So if that occurs in, you know, late November at Thanksgiving, then by the time Christmas comes, oh, it's gonna, yeah. that's when the wave is hitting, like on That's Christmas when the wave Eve. could be hitting. And I, I'm yeah. not trying to scare people with like an apocalypse scenario, but the truth is I had up till like this, this podcast recording had been assuming I would see my family at Thanksgiving at Christmas. I've got some elderly relatives where you don't know if this is going to be their last one. Right. You can't, especially now with the pandemic on that targets elderly people, you don't know. And if any of them are listening to this, I'm I, you. I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm talking about someone else. <laughs> the uh, other one, you know. But the one it's not about. a minor. It's not a minor thing. Like I'm happy to not eat at restaurants for a while. I'm I you know I I don't go to that many movies. I don't go to bars. There's a lot of things. I it was easy for me to give up. But the idea that I'm not going to travel to go see family and knowing that I have no idea when it'll be okay to do it again. I, yeah, I right. may be one of those people who don't join the protest. Right. But just quietly do it right. and get a test because I can get a test here. I can get a test and get results back but just to, usually the next day. I'd get tested and then I would keep myself indoors and I would go. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, there's a lot of motivation too, like even from in, in my own social, social circle where a lot of people who are transplants or have family around the country have been looking at this like, 
I'm not fucking not seeing my family at Christmas. Like, you know, for people who have like that tradition of getting together on the holidays, like it seems like a lot of, you know, for better or worse, this mentality of like, this won't stop our family, but it's, it's such a, it's such a risk uh, right now still. So yeah, it's uh, scary. Yeah. Yeah. So I, there wasn't much pushback as far as I can tell. Nobody else noticed this quote from Fauci. I think if he comes back in a few weeks and says, oh, by the way, same thing at Christmas, like your Christmas play, the church thing you do where they get everybody together and you sing the songs, like don't do not do that. That's, I think, when it will be a crap storm. And that's right. why I, I, I think. Now, it could be wrong. It could be that at Fox News and a lot of those circles, I'll say, you know what? Let's tone down the outrage this year. Even though it's going to cost us some ratings, like the bench appear of the world, they're going to say, you know what? We don't need to be a grifter today. Yeah, not today. Not when our democracy and lives are at stake. Because ultimately, are we all Americans? (laughs) They'll say, say. (laughs) do do we have to act outraged at every little thing that comes down the pike? Can we just tell people, look, the the war on Christmas thing was always kind of a grift. We never actually meant it. Nobody thought Christmas was in danger. So please. Yeah, it'll be like the World War I uh, Christmas Day uh, soccer game where everybody's just like, hey, guys, let's all sing <laughs> just for Otan one day bomb together for one day and right uh, back to trench warfare. Play soccer on the frozen dead bodies. <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> that story that everybody talks about as heartwarming is pretty, pretty horrifying when you think about yeah, it. I think most people just realize, look, as long as there's money to be made on Christmas, it's not going fucking anywhere. Just remember yeah. that. <laughs> Right, but that's also the problem because if you don't think there's going to be some lobbying on the part of everyone who profits, not just from the gift stuff, but from the selling the turkeys and the cranberry sauce and all the stuff they, you know, all the candy and all the stuff that's expected to be there, the pies, uh, there's they have very much have a motivation to push. Let's 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 let Christmas be our official. The pandemic is over holiday. Like, right, that's, right. <laughs> Because this is, there are some retailers out there where thirty percent of their income they make at Christmas, and that's that's common. You know, this is the American economy pivots around Christmas. So again, as much as we've heard concern about the theaters going out of business and the airlines struggling, boy, wait until there's talk of of Christmas uh, revenue being cut in half or whatever it would it would be if people were just mailing gift cards to each other. It's uh. We've talked before, uh, Jason, you've talked about how you wrote you wrote a column back when we were both at Cracked about how Christmas is basically a, like it goes back before Christianity as like a winter solstice holiday that is the like coldest, deadliest day of the year uh, where humans like gather together indoors to celebrate the fact that that nature hasn't been able to kill them just yet. Um, so that's like kind of drilled into us. It's also like mating season. If you look at the most common time for humanity, uh, yep. for people's so birthdays. Yeah. So it's ingrained the, the idea that, uh, we all get together indoors, uh, and, you know, have traditions and celebrate traditions together. Like that's, deeply deeply ingrained in in human history and in our culture possibly in our psyche so you can even see it now look how many non-religious people have no problem with 
Christmas. They don't even view it as a religious holiday. It's Santa Claus and the tree and gifts. And, you know, there's atheists celebrate Christmas. It feels right. And, yeah, when the Roman Empire made everyone be Christian, like when they would go to these places and they're like, well, we, you know, we're not going to cancel our winter festival. They're like, that's fine. It's, It's Christmas now. That's yeah. We're just going to rename it because again, it was the same deal. Like they they had an economy revolving around their December or whatever get together, and it's like, well, we're we'll give up our religion, but we're not going to give up this. It's like that's fine. You can keep the same holidays. Yeah, it's a, it's a celebration of our triumph over wilderness that we celebrate by uh, beheading something from the wilderness and dragging it indoors <laughs> and dancing and singing around it. Um, yeah, eating yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, All right, Uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And uh, Jason, what is something you think is overrated? This is something I've been banging the drum about for like four straight years. The concept of gaffes, as in like, then when a politician or a candidate says something dumb in public, those like the concept that that's something that matters and, and will actually sink a candidate. <laughs> Trump has killed that forever. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad because Twitter loves this. If Trump misspells a word in a tweet, that misspelled word will trend all day. And I'm telling you, I watched for three and a half years when everyone was like, oh, Kavefe, that's going to be the thing that alerts America that this man is a moron. It doesn't work like that anymore. The average American actually finds it kind of endearing when you're not polished as a politician. For whatever reason, in the modern era, we, we, we kind of like it when they screw up. And it was the same thing in the primaries. And they're like, Biden is a gaffe machine. He, he can't string together two sentences without getting the name of the city he's in wrong or something like that. Nobody cares. Let that be dead forever. Because what happened with Trump, where his numbers didn't, it took a worldwide apocalypse (laughs) to make his (laughs) approval move down by like the four points it required to give the other candidate a lead, some kind of substantial lead in the polling. Right, right. The the 20,000 gaffes he committed did not do that at all. Yeah. Just in general, it's like seems like nothing even attacks from the right about like the behavior of politicians who are Democrats. Just like they ring so hollow. And it's like, I I think this is we're past all of this now because you're so craven over there. Like the fact that you're upset, I'm having a failure to connect the outrage that the the people on the right have, you know, like for even like with the Hunter Biden things where they're like, oh, this will get them. And it's like, no, th- everyone's completely numb to everything, actually. I feel like it, it might motivate your base, but I don't know if it's going to have that effect of like, oh, God, did you guys see this thing? It's lights out for them, huh? Right. There was an underage a woman who had claimed that Trump had sexually assaulted her when she was underage. That, that story just came and went yeah. in a blip. Like, no one listening even knows what I'm talking about. Like, it just, like something that would have been a showstopper 20 years ago. And then the New York Times did this huge breakdown about how Trump was basically just using the White House to divert money to his businesses. And they probably devoted $150,000 in resources and reporting and man hours putting it together. And no, it it trended for like an hour. I I saw a few like political types on Twitter tweeting. It's like, oh, this is great reporting. It's a great breakdown of of the the level of corruption here. Eh. 
Yeah, and we got the, the the fly on Mike Pence's head trended longer than than that. <laughs> right. I mean, but that thing was hilarious. Did you see that thing? It was it was sitting there and it didn't even leave. Dude, Dude longboarding to dreams. I mean, come <laughs> on. <laughs> um, yeah, I I do think that it's some sometimes like because people do do say that Hillary Clinton's email like the the fact that Comey opened up reopened that investigation a week before the election had an impact on on voters and i think it's something to do with like how the negative story interacts with like what we suspect about that person and or like what people suspect and like what the overall negative feelings are like with the rick perry thing where he couldn't name anything like he's just couldn't <laughs> remember anything like that interacted with the fact that he's clearly like not not smart and like propped up by uh speech writers and uh you know didn't they make him start wearing glasses after that so like him look smarter seem smart my man um but what hillary that's the thing is that that was a culmination of literally 20 however many years since, since <laughs> right. 1992 20 some years of anti-hillary anti-clinton the clintons right. are corrupt hatred like if you were in conservative circles in the 90s you had like the clinton murder list like the mm -hmm. list of 49 people that hillary and bill clinton had murdered together right they right? arranged a plane crash was one of them and uh, like car accidents like this made them and in conservative circles like that they were these deeply corrupt people so that even though the emails didn't say anything it was just a signal to people who were already ready to hate her. And I think that's one lesson we have about 2016 now is that probably any other candidate, even one chosen at random, probably squeaks out that election. Right. Um, but they just uniquely hated Hillary so much uh, for a bunch of reasons. Some of it sexism, some of it the Clintons. But yeah, she was like the like in terms of her negatives and all that, it, she was it was a case they were kind of like asking people to hold their nose and vote for her. And that's one reason why this year is different. People genuinely do like Biden, like the, but you know, again, it's the contrast with him and Trump is just so strong that right. maybe anybody would have the, the same effect. Yeah. Finally, what is a myth? What's something people think is true, you know, to be false. This alludes to the Christmas thing, but the idea that right wing conspiracy craziness will calm down after Trump is gone if if Trump loses. Right. Because I know that like Trump has a thing where he intentionally like retweets QAnon memes or that thing. What was the thing about the SEAL Team 6? He just retweeted yeah. the other day that that Biden let Bin Laden go and then he killed SEAL Team 6. Yeah. Even though those people have are all like public figures and they have like book deals are, yeah. are they saying yeah i think like a couple of them died like one of them died in a car accident or something and so and i think the, there was a helicopter crash involving some of seal team six later right. on but this is like they had the dude who took the shot out here being like i'm sorry like what i i know what happened what is this shit <laughs> right so while it is like with all that criticism, that's all valid that, that like QAnon has been boosted by Trump and the same thing with like these French groups, like the Proud Boys that, that they're boosted by Trump kind of, he does a nod and a wink and it kind of legitimizes them. But I think people's memories tend to be really short and they kind of maybe don't realize that like Pizzagate came about during the Obama administration. Right. Based on those emails that were leaked from Podesta and that Hillary was 
uh, whatever that they had that pizza restaurant. And then of course, Pizzagate became QAnon. Um, and then during the Clinton years, during the nineties, that's when that right wing militia movement that that's when that got started. That culminated in the Oklahoma city bombing, 1995, of course, killed 170 people. Um, Bunch of yeah. yeah. Um, Alex Jones got his start in radio by spreading OKC bombing conspiracy theories, claiming it was a Clinton inside job. Like that's how he made his name. He started Infowars in 1999. That was during the Clinton year. So I, I think that in the same, you know, like those of us around during the Obama years, like um, the Daily Show, all of those like kind of left wing platforms, they got big by making fun of what a crazy conspiratorial turn Fox News had taken, right? Because they would platform Glenn Beck and he had these conspiracy theories about the czars. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. How he kept claiming because Obama kept appointing czars. He's the like, well, czars are ours. Russian. Yeah. <laughs> and czar, like the root word is Caesar. And and he had this whole thing. And so they were kind of like Chalkboard. pointing and laughing. Yeah. But that whole theory and that whole worldview comes from the idea that like white Christians are an oppressed minority. Like it thrives more when the other party is in power. So you're going to see that pivot. That's one reason I have this theory about Christmas, especially if Trump loses because they want to set the stage. All of the grifters do. And again, the reason these exist is because there's massive money to be made. Let's be clear. Like QAnon, QAnon sells merch. You know, they they sell t-shirts, they sell stickers, stuff like that. So all of the people who are planning out their post-Trump lives, it's not going to be by moving to the center. <laughs> right. right. It's, it's going to be setting the stage for everything they can detect that Joe Biden, of all people, is an ultra-far-left uh, communist maniac out to exterminate th- this lifelong uh, Catholic, out to exterminate Christianity. Is They're going to start that immediately like the the moment the election's over they've got to start hunting for any indication every appointee everybody that is in the cabinet they're going to find anything they wrote in college that was like anti-christian anything like that yeah Mm. i mean yeah trump is definitely uh you know as has been said by everyone he's a symptom of a of a larger problem it's you know another symptom of that problem is that like in a statistical like historical anomaly uh american life expectancy among white non-college educated people started going down like it's i think that's all part of this same like there's been this part of america that the mainstream culture has sort of ignored and looked down on and just dismissed completely that has metastasized and that isn't going away like that's trump i also don't think trump is going away even if he loses the election like i think that could make him a more dangerous leader slash organizer um you know the conspiracy theories if he loses in a landslide to loses in a close election, the only thing that will do will give him uh, ammunition to claim that uh, he was cheated out of the White House and just get more and more conspiratorial and he'll start openly embracing QAnon. Like, I don't, I don't see how we move beyond this specific wave. Yeah. I mean, the only way he becomes quiet is he does that thing where he, like, just doesn't want to take L's publicly anymore. So he just like retreats and doesn't talk about it. But but he's not I, taking L's he's as not. far as he's concerned. He's in a bubble where 
you know, he goes out in front of people and gets the thing that he craves and that he that is his lifeblood, which is being you know, a stand up adulation, comedian. being a stand up comedian <laughs> who people worship as a messiah. Yeah. Okay, but let me ask both of you this. Like, Trump can be indicted on several crimes the mm-hmm. moment he leaves office, because obviously the Southern District of New York, they've got stuff waiting from the Trump, whatever, his various charity stuff to stuff he did in office to the, you know, the many, many things that have been uncovered that, that, that like, his family's been involved in and, and with funneling money around. If they charge him and it turns into a years-long legal battle, do you think that's good or bad? Like, do you think it's <laughs> it's better to not turn him into a martyr and let him just just eventually die? Like, yeah. I can I, see him getting martyred, pumps up, fires, just gives his base every reason to believe every single thing he's been saying the whole time. In a way, like it feels like that could that could fuel it. Uh, because I don't know if they would look at a decision made in a court and be like, well, seems like that's he did wrong. And right. I guess you got to go to you got to you got to be punished. I do think that being prosecuted for financial misdeeds is a very boring way to be martyred, though. So if you're going to martyr someone like martyring them under like a bunch of like red tape and financial misdeeds is probably a good way to go as opposed to. You know, I guess there will be video of him being arrested and there's going to be violence from the the right. Like, that's just I mean, there already is violence from the right. But one way or another, like whether he leaves office because of a legitimate election, what whatever it is like, they're not going to go down. Yeah. They're not just nobody's going to just be like, yeah, OK, that was a fair election. You guys, uh, we, we admit we were wrong and. Right, we'll, sh- we'll shut up now, and we're yeah. we're liberal now. No, I mean it's just that, that's why they're be- they're better at being the minority party. Like they're better. Like they're the conservative culture thrives to your point, Jason. When Democrats are in power, like they don't know what the fuck to do when they're in charge. It's like ah oh, fuck, we don't like we're just gonna try and do all this. Other- It'll be chaos. But they're the I think they have more energy to respond to a Democrat in power than like a Republican in power and then trying to explain away all this shit about why nothing's working. Like it's better to just always be like, no, you see what they're doing? That's what's going on. And that's why they're in power. And that's what it is. So, yeah. But uh, I think Trump gives them the unique position of actually being able to both be in power and also be a prosecuted minority because the media is out to get him and because deep well that's why he had to invent the deep state right that narrative that's the only way that narrative works it's like well actually the president is powerless (laughs) it's the deep (laughs) state that oppresses that oppresses the president Uh it's like okay Uh because you could you could pass another stimulus package that would be enormously popular at any minute and he just doesn't know how (laughs) Yeah, it's. <laughs> yeah. It would actually do. It would have if he had done that like a month ago. It would have boosted him in the polls, maybe by a lot. And he just doesn't know how to do that part of being president, the legislation right. part. Yeah, he just, he's a, yeah, he's an the open art mic comic. Of the deal. Um. Yeah. All right. The one thing that some of us were hoping <laughs> maybe he would be good at, right. You know, the, uh, but not so much. Like saying, look, the 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 best deal is the one that most Americans want, and it happens to be the one that the Democrats want. So let's make a deal and pass it. Nope, yeah. no, no. It turned out that's not right. that's not how he thinks. Yeah, because his whole thing is owning owning them, and the other side being wrong. You can't get to a place of like compromise that way. All right, let's take a quick break. 
when we come back, Miles and I are going to recap the uh, what what happened on the town halls last night. And then, you know, some of the stuff that we were talking about maybe getting to that we uh, there's no way we get to in this episode, such as the Hunter Biden thing and popular Halloween costumes coming up. We will get to in Monday's episode. And yeah, we'll be right back. And we're back. That's how I'm cutting that conversation <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, we're actually here in the future. Oh uh, man! Listening to Super Producer Anna Hosni talk about a billionaire, bad boy, alienaire, Indian bad boys <laughs> in the world F1 of racing. Formula One racing, uh, and I couldn't take it anymore. So we are starting our post town hall record. Uh, yeah, what is post game how... analysis? Uh, Joe Biden O's. is actually still talking. <laughs> Uh, I'm not joking. I think it's over. No, like I'm looking at it right now on ABC. It looks like oh, he went home. He's still talking to the people. He's standing up and like just being very grandfatherly and making the same hand gesture. So, Uh, but it's over. Uh, His was an hour and a half. Trump's was an hour. Um, So, Miles, I watched the Trump Town Hall on NBC. This kind of feels like our Netflix rewatch already. Yeah. All right, so I watched the Trump Town Hall. I watched the Biden one. Thoughts? Yes. The Biden one seems like people, the the Twitter analysis I was getting was that he had like detailed, long-winded answers to questions. Yeah, he's, he was able to talk normal, uh, very uninspiring, especially when he was talking about, shoot him in the leg. He said it again. Uh, I instantly thought oh, of really? Lacey, leg 2020. Yep. He was like, he brought that up. He constantly Jeez. would bring up his son, Bo. Uh, the, the one, the main takeaway for me is whenever, uh, like a person of color or a black person specifically would ask something about the black American experience and what he would do or his connection to past injustices or crime bills and things like that. He just... He doesn't have like the good, clean, short answer that doesn't make him sound like somebody trying to make a bunch of excuses. Right. Um, but he still gets around to like, well, like, you know, he'll he'll point to certain things. But at the end of the day, like there was one guy who was like, can you tell me, you know, like besides I ain't black, like what that means to vote for a different candidate or if I'm not satisfied with what I'm hearing from both parties at the mm-hmm. moment? Like he specifically called out the I ain't black thing and that kind of caught him off guard and he just started, you know, talking a lot of words. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all in all, I was, you know, like anything, I I was I have a very low bar for Joe Biden. So when he comes out and says sentences, I'm like, well, good for you. You know, there's a <laughs> couple moments where you, you made a you made a brain wow. fart look like a like a deep thought. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, good, good. You're finessing, you're finessing it. Uh that's Didn't what you need see to this do. For you. Um no. All right. Well, which is all to say, like, this shit was an hour and a half. And I'm like, I don't know. You know, it. <laughs> there was nothing, nothing really great aside from like, you know, maybe those moments he couldn't really decide whether or not he was into fracking or court packing. But that's always to be uh, said when he's like in a state like Pennsylvania where fracking matters and or is a contentious itch- issue rather. So I watched an hour of Trump's and then I watched like the last half hour of Biden's and I found Biden's more stressful because. I feel like Biden still gets held to a standard where if he like flubs or says a thing wrong, 
even he like gets a little uh, disoriented and like, you know, the media will actually pick that up. Whereas Trump, it's just nonstop uh, lies and just throwing heat. Was he talking at one and a quarter speed? Because the one the first commercial break in the Biden one, I quickly went to NBC to see what was going on. And it just came like, and that's the thing. And I was like, whoa, okay, I I'm going back. Yeah. So uh, Dave Anthony, the comedian and host of the Dollop podcast, tweeted, uh, Trump has never been on this much speed. And I got I got that impression as well. He really it was to be, yeah. uh, at at the end of his limits uh, as a high flying circus. Yes. Yeah, um, it was, I think maybe, uh, and it may have just been too, because I had just been listening to Joe Biden for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, that just comparatively, it seems very fast. But I, you know, I, we listened to his voice a lot. I was like, this seems a little more, and like, he seemed like up. But yeah, he was way up. All the how way the answers? up. Uh, so <laughs> he said that he... He wouldn't answer when he had his last negative test. He said his doctors certainly can, uh, which the doctors have refused to. So Savannah got oh, like his tax returns. So, so like the, the one thing that I thought could have you know redeemed NBC is if this was like a setup, if like yeah. the uh, people at the toll booth had ducked when when he showed up, and it was just a they started just drilling oh, him. Uh, look at how they massacred my boy. Yeah, but it, it was none of that. And in fact, it was kind of a nice setup for him. There was a pretty young woman behind him in the shot, just nodding at everything he said, uh, almost like, like I think how Trump would have set up the shot, like everything right. he said there. She was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. Okay. Um. And Savannah Guthrie did a good job uh, and, you know, was like, uh, held him to a standard of like, wait, but you have to not be that full of shit at certain yeah, points. Yeah, right. I saw that with like his uh, 400 million debt question. I saw her kind of press him on that one where he's like, and, you know, I'm under levered. I'm like, I'm oh, under you're under levered. OK, isn't uh, it that's under leveraged? Yes. <laughs> I looked it I'm up under and a lever like, I right think now. I Don't found one use of under levered. So maybe you can go either way. But uh, he did at one point say $400 million is a peanut. It's small. Yeah. I'm under levered. And so she's like, peanut. so you do owe that much money. Right. And he's like, well, you know, I will say it's just a small amount. You know, you got mortgages. That's what it is. And she's like, so it sounds like you do owe $400 million. Okay. Yeah. Um, he, she really tried to, I think the kind of big moment of the night was you know, she she asked him about uh, would he denounce white supremacy. He said, "I've always denounced white supremacy. Like, I don't. Why? Why don't you ask Joe Biden if he denounces Antifa?" And uh, she said, "Well, I don't. I'm not interviewing Joe Biden." And he said, "Ah, that's cute. Uh, very right. <laughs> like dismissive and sexist." Then she asked him to denounce QAnon. And so this has happened before where somebody asked him what he thought about QAnon. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. Don't know anything about it. Don't know anything about him. And he did that again. And then he said, I do know they don't like pedophilia. And I don't <laughs> I don't like pedophilia. So um oh my God. So he just found the one like acceptable QAnon belief and was like, So I'm kind of on board with QAnon, I guess. Um, so right. he know he knows what he's doing. He knows, yeah. QAnon. And I think he also just said, like, I agree about like pedophiles are bad or whatever. You know, it, it seemed like if you were Q this last time was the Proud Boys, 
this week, QAnon right. uh, got their little wink. But yeah, uh, wow. It's funny that how he's like, I'm against pedophilia, but also I wish that woman, Gillian Maxwell, who's a pedophile, all the, all best. the best. Yeah. All the best to that pedophile. But I hate pedophiles. The other thing that's really interesting is I was reading about how a lot, like, legitimate human trafficking organizations have been, like, intersecting with QAnon people at times. And they're like, dude, you are actually fucking up our real work of tackling this issue, like, with your meddling and, like, consp- like it's just... Uh, it's it seems like wait, they are, they're like they're accidentally also, overlapping with QAnon and then being like, wait, you're fucking things up, or yeah, or like, or somehow they'll be invested. Like, they'll, there may be some real human trafficking investigation going on, and then Q people are starting to like try and send information or oh, act right. as if they can yeah. crack it too. And they're like, please get the fuck out of the way. Like, we're actually doing this. That's the most widely held belief among Q people is that there's a vast cabal of pedophiles. There is. It just happens to include uh, a lot of Trump's friends and, you know, uh, a lot of just uh, elites on both sides. But it seems like that was a calculated thing. He picked the thing. That's also the thing that you'll see even people who are just like flirting with Q or are like undercover closeted Q members. They'll still be like talking about uh, sexual uh, sexual, like going after uh, perverts and pedophiles. So he yeah. knew what he was doing. Um, Which is funny because he was like at the last rally, he was just at a rally, like throwing out all the fucking anti-Semitic shit, talking about globalist takeovers and things like this. You're like, you're using the exact same language in this audience. Then you go there, like I never heard of him. I know a lot about him. I don't know if you checked the receipts from a couple minutes ago. Talk a lot about it. Yes. So, uh, yes, it's all very. He kept saying that eighty-five uh, percent of people who wear a mask caught COVID nineteen. He was like, a new study came out. Eighty-five percent of the people who wear a mask catch it. So, what are you? Then eighty-five. Then <laughs> Savannah the numbers Guthrie was like astronomical. That's not true. But th- there were a couple times when, like, somebody asked him, "Why didn't you put in place more COVID nineteen precautions?" Uh, that was one of the town hall things. She was like, you told Bob Woodward that like you knew it was an airborne disease. It was a huge threat. Why didn't you put more in place? And he just went on like a riff for two minutes about uh, the travel ban and like mm-hmm. how he was. He did the travel ban. Everybody said it Before was bad. It was everybody thought uh, it was xenophobic, but I did it anyways. And. Like, that would have been an easy one. Like, Cody Johnston was pointing out, like, all you had to say was, Mr. President, the person asked you why, in response to COVID, you didn't do more than the travel ban, not for a two-minute rant about the travel ban. Please answer their question. Like, that would have been a fairly easy one to push back on, uh, where it was just like, but this is TV, so we have to, like, move on to the very next thing. I I did see that one point where he was like, but the thing is, I I wanted to downplay it. I don't want to make everyone panic. Yeah, he and did. And she's like, well, what do you mean? She's like, what am I going to do? Go out there and say everybody's going to die? And she's like, well, you can split the difference. Right. like, no, yeah. you can't. She's like, no, you, you can't. don't have to go that far. What? <laughs> Actually, you can't. Uh, you cannot. You have to. There's only, you're all going to die or nothing's wrong. Right. That's it. It's a binary. Um, the, I think her best moment came when uh, she pushed him on the thing we were talking about on uh I think yesterday's episode, maybe today's episode, uh, where he tweeted that Biden had SEAL Team 6 murdered to cover up the fake assassination of Osama bin Laden. 
he was like, well, uh, I didn't say that. I just retweeted it. It's a retweet. It's somebody's opinion. And she was like, yeah, but you're the president. You're not somebody's crazy uncle. Uh, and he was yeah. like, yeah, but it's a retweet. It's nothing. I'm So what? I'm allowed to put things out there. Uh, so that was a good moment where she kind of said what was on every single Or just be like, so mind. do you do you retweet things you don't agree with ever? Right. Yeah. That's my question. That would be my next question. It's like there are so many. I there there was one moment where I was like just screaming at times because I wish Savannah Guthrie just be like fuck it. I'm just gonna fucking own this fool on camera. Yeah. Uh, because I would have loved something like when he's talking about 85 percent. Be like, no, Mr. President, that's mathematically impossible. What you're saying is untrue. Like, and right. there's no way you can prove it. There's. I'm telling you right now, there's no way you can prove that. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, that's probably what he would do. He's like, well, that's your opinion. And you're abroad, so what would you know? <laughs> Trust the guys. He, at one point, was bragging about how he didn't ask Amy Coney Barrett if she would, like, deliver him the presidency. He's like, believe it or not, I didn't ask her about it. Would you believe that? <laughs> believe but- it or not, I didn't ask her. Like, what? Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> point scored, I guess. Yeah. That he, wa- that he didn't. <laughs> like, could you imagine if he had been like, so you'll uh, give me the... President what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? You'll do it, right? Give me a handshake. <laughs> I need a loyalty oath. Omerta, like the mob. It overall, it felt like the thing it mostly accomplished is like normalized being a Trump supporter because it was like 50-50, and there were a lot of you know women of color who were like on the fence or Trump supporters. There were uh you know, young people who were Trump supporters. There were there were people with birds in their hair. <laughs> there's, there, and there's they one, had it all <laughs> there's a woman who was like you have a great smile you're so handsome when you smile someone um, said that yeah and oh. then uh okay and like then a, asked him a question that was like i come from immigrants are you going to be kind to like are you what are you going to do about daca and dreamers like implying like would you kind of be nice to them and he was you like, you're going to love what I, you're going to love what I do to them. I'm going to, uh, but like implied that he was going to be like hard on them. He was like talking about uh, building the border wall and they closed out saying, how would you improve? And he said, because I've done a great job, uh, which was an interesting way of. No, no. The question was, <laughs> how would you improve? Do better because I've done great. Uh, hmm? He's it's. It, he really seems incapable of thinking forward on, which is just an unbelievable thing to be true about somebody running for president. But the bar that he's held to is so shockingly low, but it it just doesn't. It yeah. really doesn't matter. Well, that's what's interesting, too, because like Joe Biden, you you realize that people who are interested in a candidate for the Democratic Party have way more intense questions to ask. Because right. I think most people like, yes, people are going to try and get Trump to, you know, flub or, you know, ask him something, but he's never going to give an answer. But that's with Joe Biden. Like he has to there's a lot of more nuance that people are packing on in their questions. Uh, but either way, it seemed like I'm not sure what this is going to do, except for we'll see when the ratings come out. If he's just, you know, him and the right are just like circle jerking over like the ratings. He'd be like, you see, he can't even he can't even get a crowd. There was this. Middle class Latinx woman leaning towards Trump, which I was just like, fucking kill me. But she asked him about Obamacare. She's a frontline medical worker. 
And he was like, the the problem with it, like she asked a very nuanced question and was like, I'm a frontline medical worker. We don't have. Like, oh, is that the one with the daughter? With the daughter. Yeah. She's, and he kept just saying the problem with Obamacare is it's not good. Uh, we're going to do a much greatly. It's going to be much yeah. greater there. And Savannah Guthrie rightly was like, yeah, you've been saying you're going to repeal and replace. You haven't replaced it with anything. You've like changed one part of it. And he just was like, it's not great. It's not very great. And the thing we're going to do is great. And it's going to be very affordable. Um, and yeah, if people held him to any sort of standard, that would not be a sufficient answer. But yeah. Uh yeah, it's it seemed to go over. You saw right, the sure. you saw the woman. Uh, I did because I was like, oh, this is getting interesting because I remember them being described as she voted for Trump in 2016. Her daughter was going to yeah. be voting for the first time, but was leaning Biden. And then she asked this like very like question that did not seem like a Trump supporter would ask the right. president, knowing that you would hope that what you're. I mean, maybe she's like one of these naive Trump supporters, like. Maybe if I ask, I, a frontline doctor, frontline like medical worker who supports him, a very direct question about like what's happening to us, maybe he'll be nice about it. But right. that did that's not what happen. that that one in particular like made me wonder. I don't know. I have a hard time conceiving of these people who are like rational, self interested actors who are still supporting him after all this well if you just want things to be super conservative and you know go back to like the whatever fucking times right that's like you know it's it, you we've seen like over and over how much people can get like really focused on one thing and ignore every other bad fucking thing about the president because like they're just so energized by just one fucking issue uh but yeah i he thought she was a plant for a second i was like Dude. Are you just pretending you're a Trump supporter? So you can ask this like gotcha right. question about That's what fucking over medical workers. The, I kept waiting for them to just fucking light this guy up, and they just it was not it was not to be. Um, They're all fucking probably pre-approved and shit too. Yeah, yeah. Which um, he also had these like a, a couple moments where he was like, uh, "Have you ever heard of a word called negotiations? I'm negotiations. I'm negotiating." Yeah. Uh, okay. Where he would like do these like silly faces and like voices. Uh, he's he's just he's a performer. Such, he really That's is. The camera the loves him. Uh, he's got a great smile. He's so handsome when he smiles. And uh, and what you just said was our new pledge of allegiance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Any anything else? Anything from the Biden? Uh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> not much not much not there you know if, there. if you if you were if you were interested about like getting to the bottom of certain things about renewable energy or you know police reform and things like that you, you weren't you know it's the same things we were talking about even in the primaries it's right. not this is not the candidate who's going to take those things head on and you know maybe you can drag him to the left if he gets into office and it's not stolen but right. yeah uh it was it was not I don't know. Maybe it was disheartening. I've I'm just like all I can think about is like November third. Like what the fuck would things look like after what that? What so, is going to happen? Tick tock, tick tock, tick oh, tock. Yeah, just like those uh, guys who really got the message from that the Wolverine uh, Watchmen. Watchmen. Yeah, they get it. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, let's go back to the present tense. All right, bye.
And we're back from that again. Uh, here we are in a world where we don't know what just happened in the town hall nope. debates. Uh, so uh, what a as, mess, though, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can. I feel like that take will always be fine. Right. As Jason was, was saying, if Donald Trump falls over and has a seizure, this whole episode will seem very crass. Or if Bjork murders Donald Trump uh, yeah. during the town hall this this episode will seem pretty hot episode. as though it's in pretty pretty bad taste. But let's real quickly before we get out of here, uh, I did want to talk about uh, this story that I think doom scrollers everywhere uh, noticed, mm-hmm. which is a gentleman by the name of Robert Cahaley, who was one of the only pollsters that predicted Trump's win in 2016. And, you know, there are a handful. Most of them are predicting that this time is different. Robert Cahaley is saying, nah, we've got another we got another one coming. It's a re-up. Uh, yeah. uh, he's going to win. Yeah. I mean, his whole thing in 2016 was that he said a lot of pollsters weren't. He has like his own method where he's trying to he asks other questions to try and nail down who this person might be. And, you know, his the big thing that he always talks about is this idea of, um like social acceptance or social desirability bias and how that affects people's response in a lot of things. And he said that, in fact, in 2020, he thinks it's like a worse take to have now to say you're supporting the president, that he's trying to adjust for that as well. Um, but the, one of the big things he was saying is like, you know, a lot of the polls say Biden's going to win Georgia or Florida or North Carolina, or like, you know, leading. And he's like, that's all fucking, there's no way. He's just saying Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, Ohio, Texas, Arizona, they're, they're not nailed on for Biden, like by right. any stretch of the imagination, despite what the polls are saying. And he predicts Trump will win in all of those states. Um, and he was also saying that, the you know, while he has lost a lot of support, you know, he was saying like, yeah, he's lost a lot of support with suburban women. Uh, he's lost some, some support with the elderly, but he has picked up support with black and Latino voters. Surprisingly, he said he was really like it's it's gone up slightly. Um, so there is some movement in that area. But you know, with all that to say, I was just there. I'm like, we got Jason on. So, you know what? Just I'll, I'll 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 put that down and let us discuss that, because, yes, he he feels very strongly that this there's there's not much not much difference uh, between the two. This is for one thing. No one who gives an answer answer to this is not somewhat motivated in the reasoning. Like, I don't want mm-hmm. I don't want to give anyone a reason to not vote. And obviously, people who are afraid of tr- a second Trump term are also very afraid of saying anything that causes people to maybe be to relax. And, and so there's a motivation to kind of in those channels to kind of boost anyone who's saying, Hey, Trump's chances are better than you think because you want people to go out and vote. It, it does from the early voting. It appears people were going to have like record turnout, like, and anything can happen. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it, the whole issue that I, I like Nate Silver. I know a lot of people have grown to hate him. What I like about him is he's one of the few people that points out that, look, we have not had that many presidential elections, period, in the modern era, in the polling era, and in the mass media era. You're only talking about the ones going back to, what, 1960, the era in which TV has been a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just, that's a small sample size. And this is why, and so anybody who says, well, you know, because you hear this, these headlines like, well, no president has ever lost when the unemployment has been blank or or this guy who's predicted four straight elections, you know, says blank is going to happen. And in every case, it's a really small sample size in every election. 
you know, they used to consider it an almost an extreme scenario that you would have a popular vote and electoral college split like we just had. And I don't remember anybody predicting that Hillary would win by three million votes and lose the electoral college. But now that it's happened, it makes perfect sense. It's like, oh, yeah, this is kind of baked in that, you know, like the Electoral College has like a conservative slant because it gives more preference to rural voters. Right. So knowing that. Yeah, it's not they've in the simulations they run at 538, they've got somewhere I think Biden wins by like six points and still loses the Electoral College. Because of so many of the votes are concentrated in California or whatever states he flips, and then Trump narrowly wins all these others, and that can do it. It's mathematically possible. It's just that virtually every other polling agency other than this guy disagrees. Because the whole the whole concept of people being reluctant to give like an unpopular answer, that's been that's been a part of polling methodology going back to the dawn of polls. Like this is a an ongoing problem. They actually have algorithms where they try to uh, you know account for it. I've got a link here we can include in the footnotes or whatever footnotes. from 538. When they talk about that the issue is not, one, it's, I don't know how many Trump supporters you know. They tend to not be shy. Right. <laughs> and, and this guy's saying, well, yeah, but in a blue state, they'd be afraid to admit that they are. But these polls are not conducted on the street in front of their, their liberal friends. They're, they're often anonymous online surveys. And a blue, a Biden supporter in deep red Alabama, you could say the same thing. Like they're, they're afraid to come out. It's like, that's a place where you put a Biden sign in your yard and somebody's going to shoot it with a shotgun. So again, it, I, the reason people like this narrative is because of this, this kind of thing that liberals are so mean to Trump supporters um, and we're in the, the cancel culture and whatever the, whatever they throw around, like these people are so vicious that everyone's afraid they're, that they, to admit they support Trump. That, I mean, Trump is running ahead of a lot of Republican Senate candidates. He, he's running ahead of, of Congress. So if that's, if that's the case, you would think you would have those same Republicans saying, oh yeah, I support blank for Senate, but I won't vote for that filthy criminal Trump, even though they secretly are. You're not getting that. You're getting the opposite answer. So anything can happen. Again, uh, every time you say something like this on Twitter, you immediately get a wave of answers like, don't get complacent. Please right, right. don't get complacent. I'm telling you, it, there are many, many motivated Trump voters. It's just that it would be much weirder if he won now than if he had then winning in 2016. 2016 was unlikely. I think if you redo that election, he wins it three times and loses seven. This time, it's it would be much stranger. Mm. So just going off of 538, because I agree their methodology is more valid than a lot of the other ones, there's still... and. I think rightly so, they still have a sizable chance that he wins. It's not like it's 13 in 100 is is what they currently have it at. They currently give him a 8 in 10 chance that Biden wins the popular vote but loses the electoral college. So it's, it, wait, 8 in 10 that he wins a popular vote? Sorry, sorry, lose. 8 in 100. So 8% oh. chance. <laughs> and then 5% chance that Trump wins both the electoral college and the popular, popular vote. Right. So that's what happened the first time. I think we look for polls to do something that they can't do. Like last time, I think heading into the election, it was high 30% chance that Trump would win. So he's still an underdog, but that's not 
that much of an underdog. Like if a baseball player going up to bat bats over 300, that is a good hitter. You you're going to are not surprised. Game. Yeah, you're not surprised at all if he gets a hit. And this is a 1 in 10 or a 13 in 100 chance is not likely, uh, but it's also, you know, it's a thing that sometimes Reasonable. happens. Like if a yeah. pitcher gets up in baseball and gets a hit, like you see that all the time. That happens all the time if you watch a lot of baseball. So I don't know. I just think that like anything can happen. Those states that he talks about Trump winning, like that that are being granted to Biden are all very close in the 538 uh, polling averages. And even if Trump wins Texas, Ohio, Georgia, uh, Iowa, North Carolina, Arizona, and Florida, he would still lose if Biden won Pennsylvania. Um, yeah, right. He has to be, has to basically sweep everything where he's down by a few points. Right. So you need a polling error that is somehow wrong across demographic groups, across states, which again... Which happens, happen. yeah. I mean, they've made the point uh, that when it's not like these are all independent variables, right? It's not like if suddenly he overperforms by six points in Ohio, it would be it would require him to equally unlikely overperform by six points in Pennsylvania. It's like no, they're responding to the same condition that was true across. Ohio and Pennsylvania and Florida, which is what happened in the last election. But those are all things they take into account. Uh, they're all things that can happen, which is why Biden, they were not the ones who in the 2016 election were like, yeah, Trump has less than a one in 100 chance of winning. Yeah. They were like, no, it's like he's an underdog, but it could easily happen. And it did. They were, um, yeah. Some of the pundits, the way they were talking, felt like the halftime of game six of the NBA finals where like the Lakers were had such a lead where like at halftime, they're like, yeah, credit to the Miami Heat. Uh, they really <laughs> yeah, just they like were really fought on. hard. And I was like, yo, yo, don't do this shit right now. <laughs> right, like, let right. the game fucking end. And it, it has like this similar feeling. But yeah, I think I think most people still have that trauma of feeling like the polls are accurate. And I think at the, at the end of the day, all you can do is just try and uh, get as much turnout as possible. But the one yeah, thing I, anything can happen. The one thing I think they're vastly underrating that they say uh, a four in 100 chance that the election hinges on a recount. Um, I think that we're very likely to see Trump and the Republicans and Fox News find a way to invalidate uh, states where it's close or even not that close, but they will find ways to throw question on a bunch of votes and claim voter fraud. And, you know, it's just something Republicans have done before. And this is an administration and a Republican Party that no longer is required to hide it when, when they're wrong or when they're doing something illegal. Like they have lost all. Uh, you know, any tether to accountability. So why wouldn't they do that? Yeah, it's like a case where if, well, like, let's say you're in the NBA Finals game where for some reason, according to some rule, we have to win by 15 points. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it can't be close. We can't win by one by one vote. And I'm, I don't know if the Republicans in your audience hate it if I keep saying we, like we're on the by part of the Biden administration. But it's... Yeah, it's a case Our, where it, it 
it has to be a, a big, it doesn't have to be a landslide, but it's got to be enough that on election night, we pretty much know, and that there's not enough of a, where, where there's not, it's not close enough to trigger any recounts or anything like that. It's got to be, you know, seven points in Pennsylvania, you know, maybe three points in Florida, like where even if all those that where they won by two, one, two, three points, where it still wouldn't get him to, right. to 270 or whatever. It's got to be right. an overwhelming victory. So it's, it yeah that that's what I'm nervous about. It's not uh, it's it would be stunning to me if Trump got more votes. That would mean something truly weird had happened, and especially the fact that ten percent of the people have already voted. There's something like seventeen million votes in already. Yeah. Um. What I'm more alarmed by is that it's it has to be by a comfortable margin if you want this to do what it's going to do, which is truly be a rebuke to Trump and truly send the message that doing it the way Trump did it is not a model for future Republicans, like having, you know, an attorney general that's just your attack dog. Right. Like this is not a model that works. I don't right. want I don't want Tucker Carlson to be out there dreaming of running in twenty twenty four as like Trump, but a little bit more media savvy, a little bit smarter and younger. I don't I don't want that. I want this to I want it to obliterate the idea that this is a good way to function as a president. Yeah. That is the th- a thing that's being talked about a, a lot on the right is Tucker Carlson, uh, the future Republican presidential candidate. I mean, um, he'll he'll do great. Yeah, he's. <laughs> uh, I I mean, he probably will. I mean, uh, he will because there is some actual like, you know, racist asshole with his shit together that's looking at Trump. He's like, you're fucking this all up, man. Yeah, he's like, this. Oh, isn't it could have been so it. much. It could have been so much worse if Trump actually yeah. knew what he was doing. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I know those people are like rubbing their mitts for another bite of that apple. Right. To f- Tucker Carlson's already done the, uh, you know, populist economic thing. The th- Trump like made uh, head fakes towards populist economic policies, but didn't uh, embrace them at all. And still yeah. just kept well, It's funny because then Tucker Carlson will say shit is like, why is it a surprise now that millennials prefer socialism? Well, if you look at the economics of it, and like right. he's, it's like he's smart enough to know like where what the motivations are generationally, right. and that's I think that's exactly where right. that's how you that's where it gets dangerous. Yeah, because if exactly. some people are like, well, you know, Tucker Carlson got a point about that. I mean, I'm not a person of color or you know in a min- in a marginalized group, but what he's saying about like my class thing, that's facts. Yeah. So. And he knows how to be a messy bitch who loves drama. Like oh, when yeah. he co- accused the New York Times of giving away, like doxing him. And, oh yeah, uh, okay, woo. give it a rest. Yeah. Uh, all right, Jason. It's been uh, a pleasure, as always, having you here on the show. Where can people find you, follow you, read you? Uh, where Where are you at? I have a new book coming out this week that is on shelves. You cannot miss it because it is titled Zoe Punches the Future and the Dick. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see that shit on the New York Times bestseller list next week, you guys. Go buy this shit. That would be the dream. I I know that the New York Times can pick and choose what they want to be on their list because it's not a list of sales. It's an they kind right. of decide what's going to be on there. So um, that's fine. But yeah, that would be, that would be the dream. <laughs> Otherwise, no, the, the cover it's, it's uh, takes place in the future. It's a sci-fi novel. It is strangely relevant to things that are going on today. That's why it has a title that fits the tone of 2020 because <laughs> that's where we are as a culture. Uh, is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? This is a tweet from at B Kratz, 
who simply said, sociopaths are always so smart in movies and TV that you forget they can also be dumb. <laughs> yep. <laughs> if you want to a lesson for the future from this era, that would be it. Yeah. You can be a sociopath and also a moron. Trump right. was never playing four-dimensional chess. <laughs> Uh, you just had that narcissism hack. The that can take you a long way in so America, far. but so not, but only so far. Uh, Miles, where can people find you, and what's the tweet you've been enjoying? Uh, Twitter, Instagram at Miles of Gray. The other podcast for Twenty Day Fiance. If you like that ninety day talk, uh, some tweets that I was perusing. First one's from at Yadoye Ot from Yadoye Travis Past Guest. He says, "White people, how do y'all get in Tyler Perry movies?" Uh, it's a very interesting question. I also wonder about that. Uh, another one is at no power at no power raid in USA uh, tweets. Hey, babe, I really appreciate you taking birth control, even if it fucks you up. It just feels really good on my penis. And I wear a condom <laughs> for the 15 minutes of sex we have twice a week. <laughs> and then another one from at Colin Barrett 82. It's kind of a reference to what we were talking about earlier. Massive respect to everyone still experiencing time as a linear sequence. <laughs> Add that one too. Nate of the Living Dead tweeted, White people have no culture? Oh, yeah, we'll explain cults. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Marcelo Arguello tweeted, Can't wait to have Alzheimer's and forget everyone around, but still know all the words to nothing but a G thing, uh, mm -hmm. which is definitely where I am headed. Uh, and then finally, Merrick K tweeted, my cousin Vinny, more like my cousin Vinny's hot fiance. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. Real quick. Before we go, we got to figure out what we're rewatching. Uh, OK, well, I'm going to be out Monday. You're out so Monday, right. apologies for that. So this will be Tuesday. You get a, Again, there's another one where you get a, a little bit of extra time to check out uh, what uh, we are going to be watching on Netflix. I... You know what's weird? For the first time, I saw like a social video, like a social media ad mm. for a Netflix show, and I wanted to watch it. And that was The Cabin with Burt Kreischer. Well, that qualifies. It is at number six in the Netflix top 10. Uh, we got The Haunting of Bly Manor, number one, QB Halloween, Hanging Tough, number two, Emily in Paris, number three. Apparently, I quit before Emily starts just having sex with everybody in Paris. So I have to keep oh. going on that one. Uh, four Shits Creek, five The One Hundred, six The Cabin with Burt Kreischer, seven Evil, eight Moneyball. I guess that just became available. Nine Coco Melon, and then ten that uh, really Coco Melon ain't going away. Yeah, Coco Melon's gonna be here. Uh, oh, when Jesus. we're all gone. But yeah, so you were saying The Cabin with Burt Kreischer appealed to you. What what what's the premise here? It's just him and like a bunch of comedians actors it looks like they're just getting like fucked up in a cabin like smoking cigars having some drinks mm. uh but the thing that i saw was uh this you know stand-up named miss pat she oh, comes shit. on there's like an episode with joel McHale and kaylee cuoco and they're having drinks and they're talking about the their own careers but then there was a, a moment where like miss pat she's like i don't really fuck with you know big bang theory <laughs> And Wait, Kaylee Joel Cuoco is the star of Big Bang Theory, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then uh, Joel is like, dude, it's like literally the most popular thing of all time. And then Kaylee was just sort of like trying to be like, oh, I'll, I'll send you the box set so you can watch them. She's like, no, you know what, honey? I don't think I'm, uh, I'm going to really mess with that. And then she said some shit about being like, 
Uh, she's like, it's too smart and I'm not dumb, but it's corny. I just can't get into it. And then just said, when I heard y'all were making a million dollars an episode, I was like, who the fuck is watching this show to pay these people a million dollars an episode? <laughs> Straight to Kaylee Cuoco's fucking face. Yeah. So I was like, yo, you got me. I love just when you just see people being like, I don't give a fuck. Right. Like, I'm I'm going to talk to you like I'm not going to, you know, it's a, you know, it's a little spicy obviously, you're disrespectful, but Kaylee Cuoco like just sort of crumbles in yeah, her just seat, like, and I'm part of like whatever, just go cry on your mountains of cash. Just fucking yeah. forget about it. All right. So we're watching that then. We're watching yeah. uh, the cabin with Burt Kreischer. We'll we'll watch a handful of those eps and uh talk about that. He's got quite the backstory too. So we got a lot of lot Yeah, of, you were lot saying of, lot to talk the, about. He's the inspiration for Van Wilder. Yes, and Oliver Stone fucking want like literally optioned his life rights because he to just make like a film about him that hard. Yeah, party that a, smart. Party that smart, dude. FSU, bro. Yeah, yeah. Shout out, Coach Bobby B. You know what I mean? Shout out. Uh, Shout out, right. Snoop Minnis. Did he play for FSU? Uh, who? Snoop Minnis. I don't know. Anyways, we're gonna talk more about <laughs> Burke Kreischer's. Uh, party biography and uh, what he gets up to at the cabin with Bert Kreischer. All right. You can find me on Twitter, Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnotes. Where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song. We ride out on Miles. What are we riding out on today? Uh, we were talking about Canada. Now I'm talking about a Canadian group from Ottawa called Garçons. And this is a track called Ladybug. And they're got, you know, they're like sort of, they, they span many genres, but it feels like a little bit of Prince, a little bit of Outcast, a little bit of Kid Cudi. Um, this track, Ladybug, it's just got it's got good feels to it, and a little you know uh, guitar playing and some falsetto. So check this one out, Ladybug by Garçons. I feel like Kid Cudi is one of the more influential artists who like didn't have a ton of like mainstream hits, but yeah, yeah, everybody uh, who makes music loves them. All right, well, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit. The iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning's show. We'll be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. And we'll also uh, figure out what we're re-watching over the weekend. Because we forgot to do that on this episode. We'll do that on the trends today. Uh, and we will talk to you all then. Bye. Bye.